And welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Pete Sweeney. What's up, Pete? Good evening, Jay. Week seven. Here we are. I can't believe it. <laughs> Pretty fast. Seems like just yesterday we were in St. Joe. It literally felt like just yesterday we were in St. Joe, and now we're sitting here at 3-3. Three and three. we got a lot to discuss tonight, Pete. Uh, as far as the injuries are concerned with the Chiefs, you get the injury report. Came out today. Michael Burton, Jody Fortson, of course, has the Achilles, but he's listed on the injury report still. It'll, that'll change. Tyree Kill did not practice. Burton did not practice. Yep. Anthony Hitchens did not practice. And Joe Tooney didn't practice. But in limited participation, you had Charvarius Ward and Chris Jones. Good news for all there, Pete. Uh, do you think we'll see both those guys this weekend? I do. Going through the injuries quickly, I, I think Traverius Ward and Chris Jones will both make their return. There has been some speculation as to whether Chris Jones will move back inside. I'm sure that that will be a point to ask Steve Spagnolo during his Thursday media availability. Have my concerns about Burton and Hitchens. We know Fortson's not going. I do expect Tyreek Hill and Joe Tooney to play in this game despite missing practice on Monday. Same thing for Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, Jaron Reed, and Trey Smith. I don't think you have anything to worry about there. I do think you'll be without Anthony Hitchens. On the other side, Jay, and I know we'll talk about the Titans in a bit, but I just want to tell you just because we have it in front of us, I don't think Julio Jones or Taylor Lewan play in this game with their injuries. They just don't have the injuries that you would think, okay, they can bounce back in one week. Julio Jones is dealing with a hamstring. Remember, that cost Frank Clark a month twice this season. I don't think Julio He's Jones already plays. missed two games this year, but that, seven guys on did not practice for Tennessee. Right, and that's a break. A.J. Brown didn't practice either. He was sick. I think A.J. Brown goes in this game, but that's just kind of my Wednesday feel and rundown. I, I think the big news, as you mentioned at the top, was we should see the return of Chris Jones and Charvarius Ward. And when you talk about the secondary, wow, what a pleasant surprise in, in what has been an up-and-down season for the, the play of Rashad Fenton these past couple weeks. He's, he's been big, he's been and great. we'll talk to Ron Kopp about that. He's gone back and looked at all the film yeah. on Rashad Fenton this year. Uh, so Chris Jones will be with Frank Clark. This will be the second game they're together, despite some of the questions uh, to uh, to the, the the players from the Right, media. they were together for the Ravens. So they were together before. But the, they were working Frank Clark back in, and then he kind of had that setback with the other hamstrings. So. Uh, do you think that uh, we're going to be closer to Chris Jones being back on the inside now? I don't know. You, you know, you, that kind of you're hearing window. these rumblings about the Chiefs looking at defensive ends, but it just might be for depth. It's hard to tell. I, I think we'll get some clarity on that on, on Thursday. Steve Spagnolo is, is usually pretty forthcoming with the media, so stay tuned at arrowheadpride.com and, of course, 610 Sports Radio. I think Spags' words will tell us a lot tomorrow afternoon. Really one of the big hopes of Whitney Merciless from the Texans who played outside linebacker yeah. and defensive end until they kind of switched schemes if he came to Kansas City, that would have been the possibility he could move Chris well, Jones aside. But he's not. He's going to Green Bay. He chose. It's not, it wasn't a financial issue, right? Because he's going to be getting the league minimum, and the Texans are basically picking up the check on that. But between Pittsburgh, uh, Green Bay, and Kansas City, chose Green Bay. Here's the thing about it, and I know we'd probably want to get mad at Whitney, but here's the thing: he's got a chance to start in Green Bay because of all the injuries yeah. to Darius Smith and others. And the other thing is too, they run a three-four. That's what he's played his whole career in Houston until this year they switched it back to the 4-3, so he had to go from backer to hand in the dirt. Right, and that that isn't always an easy transition, and you typically want to be in what you feel is natural, and so I think he can play a little bit more naturally in Green Bay, and you really dig into the numbers. Pro Football Focus only had 
Whitney Merciless with five pressures. You know, that wouldn't necessarily put him at the top tier of the Chiefs defensive line even. Would be behind Chris Jones, and Chris Jones has missed a number of games now. So I wouldn't lose sleep about this. It, it would have been nice depth. It would have been a proven player to an extent, but I, I, I think the Chiefs will continue to look for options there. And he still would have had to move to the new scheme in Kansas City, what Houston went to. Right. So that's what he would have been. I would have taken him. I don't know about you, Pete. We've never I would have taken him. I just don't think it's it was a, a player that is going to make such a significant difference that, again, you should be losing no, sleep. It wasn't going to be a regular that. guy, but if he could just make that one or two or three big stops, like a third and seven, that wins you a game. Just something small but contributes to the winning of a game. Doesn't matter. He's not here. Look at the Packers. They've got two of these guys now because they got Jalen Smith mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago too. But, Pete, obviously there's a huge game this week, this weekend with the Tennessee Titans. But we'll just look, let's look back at uh, the Washington game because really a light bulb came on for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Andy Reid said this after the game. I just think the guys put their mind to it and bared down and, you know, kind of enough's enough. And, um you know, there's a point where you have to do that. I, I thought they did a nice job. So hopefully that's what happened at halftime. I will say this. We've seen this before. You go back to 2019. I always reference that game. Yep. Against the Chargers, Mexico City came right after that Titans game where they had gotten beat. Mm-hmm. The Chargers had 312 yards of offense in that first half. They, were, they weren't scoring yep. touchdowns. They were moving it all over. Chiefs just 109. Second half, they had 126 right. yards and really – the team took off from there. Patrick Mahomes said this after the game regarding the second half. The way we did it, even though it wasn't pretty in the first half, I mean, I feel like kind of hopefully will get us rolling. I mean, uh, we had another b- bad first half, and it could have spiraled right there. I mean, it could have how this season's gone, the adversity we dealt with, it could have it could have spiraled. Um, but I thought the guys, it was a lot of mental toughness to to go back into battle and and to go out there and believe in each other. And the defense, the way they played today, I mean, that, that offense has been putting up points. I mean, they, they have a, they have some playmakers over there, and for them to hold firm while we while we were struggling, I mean, that's what it takes in this league. It takes everybody. It's not the offense. It's not the defense. It's it's everybody together uh, coming together at the right time to, to be great, and that's what we want to be. You know, his teammates said, keep being you. Yeah. So instead of Patrick talking to them, it was them talk, to talking to Patrick. Pete, I sit here and see the text on the text line during that game. I mean, it was – it was crazy. Not the first good, half. Huh? You saw Twitter. I mean, Twitter was melting <laughs> down about the Chiefs and the coaching staff and yeah. everything. And then everything changed. Right. Will it change the rest of the season? Will we be looking back at the Washington game saying, well, it came together at halftime? Well, you hope so. I think you're suddenly facing a taller task this Sunday than maybe you thought you were with the Titans coming off that big win against the Buffalo Bills. But – you can only play who you can play, right? And and I think Patrick Mahomes went as far as Patrick Mahomes will go at a press conference and essentially saying the word spiral, meaning he understood the Chiefs somehow lost to the Washington football team. You were in trouble with this season. I mean, it really could have gotten low, low, low. And so them responding the way they did in the second half was crucial, I think, not only for the game and the record, but the mindset. I think it's something to build off of. And now what we didn't really think of as a huge opportunity last week, this game's stakes have risen given the fact that the Titans were able to beat Buffalo. So Buffalo kind of pushed you around. Now the Titans pushed Buffalo around a little bit, won that close game on Monday night. Now you can really 
have a chance to mentally right the ship with a good outing this weekend and, and a W for Kansas City. It is tough when you look at the AFC in the scheme of things. Now, obviously, this game becomes the biggest game of the year for the Chiefs. It does, mm-hmm. considering the fact that the Titans starting to believe in themselves. Right. If they could go back-to-back weeks beating the Bills and the Chiefs, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they would give that team a ton of confidence. You're like, why not us at, at that point? If they, can, if they can beat the Bills and Chiefs back-to-back, the Titans got to go into that locker room and say, we can win this AFC title. I mean, that that would be it, what's on the line. And so the Chiefs got to know that going in. And I think they will. I think they're going to try to build off this WFT game. So here's the thing. We looked at, at least I looked at these next three games. Once you once you had Washington, Tennessee, and the Giants. Instead of Chiefs go 3-0, they're 5-3. and three. Yeah. And it's a good situation. If they lose one of them, say they drop the one in Tennessee, I don't think they're going to lose the Giants. Right. Could be wrong. But they'd be four and four, and then have to play the Green Bay Packers right after that three game stretch. So right. it's imperative to get to that five and three. But here's the thing about the AFC, Pete: it's tough because if you want to make an argument, the Bills have one good win, and I'd say, okay, yeah, they beat Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium. Obviously, the Chiefs were in a little bit different status at that point; not everything coming together for them and clicking. But that's their one win, right? Because before that, they played three backup quarterbacks. They got lost to the Steelers at home. Okay, then you look at the Titans. Okay, yeah, they beat the Bills. The Bills had a, had a kickoff return come back right there at the end, and Josh Allen slips on a fourth and one. But then they've lost to the Jets. Yeah, It's like, okay, you've had these great wins, but you lose to the Jets. We look at the Chargers. They got hammerjacked by the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, Chiefs gave it to them at the 34-yard line when, they, when Clyde fumbled. It took a NFL record field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. Everybody's got problems in this conference. That's why I put the Chiefs right now, number two team in the AFC. Crazy or not? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think based upon the record, and and you know, you can talk about ifs and maybes. Baltimore's pulled it out, right? They're they're the top of the conference. They're the only team with one loss right now. There's no undefeated team in the AFC, and you know, you got to understand that everyone has now lost a game. Everyone has had these problem games. Uh, I look at the Bills and and their initial loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, the Buffalo Bills are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers, but. What's good for the Chiefs is you're starting to get the conference, and and it's not like a team is is dominating necessarily. I'll get back to Baltimore in a second because again five and one, but you're seeing them beat up on each other, and because of the Chiefs' slow start, that's what what you're going to need because you lost a lot of these tiebreakers. So the only way you're really going to win this AFC by is if you have the best record, and there's no one really with you. And you're seeing the conference come back to you a little bit. I think the one thing that you could say about the close games and the 16 players that are on injured reserve is that Lamar Jackson, as great as he is, is not going to be able to will the Ravens by himself to undefeated the rest of the way. Like This Ravens team will come back to the Chiefs, too. You keep putting wins up. You never know how this thing can go. Yeah, you might have lost all the tiebreakers, but let's say you can get on a nice run here, have three or four losses at the end of the year. Maybe that's good enough by yourself to win the top of the conference. Again, you got to keep winning, and some of these things got to break your way. You kind of took that away from yourself early, but it's happening already, so that's a good thing. Yeah, some teams haven't found their identity yet. Long season, we'll see who gets on a run. See who gets on that four or five-game run. See who gets on that stretch. Uh, Could it be the Chiefs or one of these other teams? Time will tell. They just can't afford to lose to another contender in Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, as far as the Chiefs are concerned this year. You had a chance uh, at Arrowhead Stadium today to ask Patrick Mahomes, kind of talking about what we're talking about, about what changed in the second half. Not only that, what could have been? Like, what could have been with the Chiefs? Because you, you talked to Mahomes about this. He addressed the second half. But, Pete, you and I would have had a completely different show, 
obviously. Mm. With the sentiment, your listeners, your readers over at Arrowhead Pride, had they lost that game. Really, really kind of fun when you, when you see the uh, reaction of people. In the second half, uh, for lack of better terms, you finally seem to find yourself again uh, in what we're used to seeing. Upon your film study, what do you think maybe made the difference there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as an offensive, but especially me, just stopped hurting myself. I mean, just kind of just stayed within the reads, stayed true to the reads, and then when it broke down, got out of the pocket and, and tried to make some plays happen. But uh, yeah, just pr- pretty much just staying true to true to who I am and not trying to do too much, and uh, re- kind of relied on the other guys to make plays, and they did. And this is one thing too, Pete. And you asked Patrick that question, kind of what changes the second half? They start to click. They had the chemistry. He's yeah. throw. He's having fun. He's throwing a little flip pass to Travis Kelsey. Right. He was having fun. But let's make no mistake about it because I got a lot of these texts too. The Chiefs' offense is stagnant. No, it's not. It was historically <laughs> efficient because of the fewest amount of drives in the NFL. Right. And they're averaging more points, 3.7 points per drive, which is tops in the NFL. So, no, they were number one DVOA as well. There's been no problems. It, it got better. It's amazing in the sense that they lead the league in turnovers. Like, that's wild that the offense is still as good as it is. And if they can simply clean that up, I, I think we forgot that a little bit at the beginning of the season because they did drop some games. The offense is clicking. There are going to be days where it doesn't really matter what the defense does. Now, against the better teams, you're going to need a couple stops w- for sure, and the defense absolutely needs to be better. But we got the first glimpse, I thought, in that second half of the Patrick Mahomes that we're used to, the version of him that's the best player in the world and it kind of doesn't matter what every other player on the field does I'm talking you know all a hundred and other five players I know that some are inactive and whatnot I'm, I'm not a number cruncher but you know what I'm ta- talking about if Patrick Mahomes can play the way he did in the second half that version of Mahomes that we're used to a lot of times it just doesn't matter what everyone else in the field is doing and so good for him to find that hopefully for Kansas City that continues now against the Tennessee Titans down in Nashville and the one thing, too, is despite the turnovers, they they have minus uh, 14 turnovers, but yeah. plus minus their second in the NFL, only the Jags are worse as far as plus minus. They're always at the top with Andy Reid. When I look back in history, and heck, I was looking at the Saints the other day in 2009 because their defense was bad, but they were opportunistic in, in turnovers, right? Penalties, way down. Chiefs are 24th in the NFL in penalties. You know, last year they were fourth. 2018, they were first. Can you imagine if the Chiefs still had the penalties that go along with the turnovers? At least the penalty part has been cleaned up. Really an under-talked-about thing <laughs> yeah. with this team. It's, it's been a problem for years, the penalty thing. And because they're at 500 right now through six weeks, it's been hard to compliment them about anything. But that seems to be cleaned up. So, again, man, if you can make sure that there's no turnovers or let's say you can afford one turnover, let's even give them one turnover a game, you're probably scoring 35, 40 points. And at that point, the defense doesn't have to do as much as it's maybe needed to do in these first few weeks. And so I think as the offense cleans things up, as the Chiefs' defense begins to get players that they thought they would have back, you're going to start to see some victories, and maybe they can go on a nice run here, put three or four together, and then you'll be feeling a lot better about it, again, as the AFC starts to come back to you a little bit. Pete Sweeney, Editor-in-Chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Coming up next, we'll talk to Ron Kopp, lead analyst, over at arrowheadpride.com, looking back a little bit at Washington, of course, looking forward to a huge game against the Tennessee Titans. How much confidence did the Chiefs get from winning last week? We talk about that next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Binkley with 
Editor-in-Chief, EuroheadPride.com, Pete Swinney, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Time to talk now with the lead analyst over at ArrowheadPride.com. You can give a follow on Twitter, at Ron underscore cop, K-O, as Pete says, double P. That's right. K-O double P. What's up, uh, Ron? How you doing tonight? K-O double P. It's starting to grow on me, guys. It's starting yeah. to grow on me. I like it. I like it, Ron. This this game was a lot of fun. Obviously, this is one of those uh, weird games because it's fun to talk about what happened because it was significant that second half with the Chiefs yesterday, and of course, it was a huge game uh, with the Titans. Really, in one of these weird situations that both of them are extremely uh, relevant. I'll ask you this, though, Ron. So they make the switch to Juan Thornhill, seem to have a positive effect. Mike Rimmers, obviously, he was meeting the media today, so you can pretty much count on him starting as well. Who do you think made the biggest difference at their respected positions, the two switches? Yeah, I'll, I'll say Thornhill on that. I think Rimmers and Niang are, are I, I would say, they're pretty interchangeable at this point. And, you know, I have my own theories about it, and I don't want to get into that right now, but I do think maybe it was just that, you know, Niang a little banged up. You might as well play the healthier player. And Remmers, if one of them is going to be banged up, you know, if they are interchangeable. So I'll go with Thornhill because I do think his athleticism popped on the field on Sunday, especially in the second half. There was a, a series of plays where he was just flying uh, from his deep safety position, flying downfield, coming up and making a tackle in the run game. Um, one was at the line of scrimmage. Another was on a third and two where it was a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sneed actually came in blitzed and, and tipped it, and, and Thornhill kind of finished the tackle on a third down. But – yeah, I, I, I'd say the athleticism popped out of Thornhill and, and his superior athleticism to Sorensen. And that kind of just is the whole point of, of what we need to see with the Chiefs defense is more athleticism, more you know speed around you know on the players. And I, and I do think Thornhill showed that on Sunday, so that was encouraging. Ron Pete here. Let's stay in the secondary. How much of a pleasant surprise has Rashad Fenton been considering Traverius Ward has been out of the lineup since week two? Yeah, I, I kind of wish I would have dug my heels a little more this offseason about my love for Fenton because I, I, I was always kind of like, why don't we give him a little more respect over the offseason? We're talking about Mike Hughes, talking about DeAndre Baker. When Fenton has had to play for the Chiefs in his young career, man, he's been good. I mean, I, I always go back to last year against the Patriots. He had to step in because Sneed and I believe Ward was hurt or uh, Breland was suspended. That's, that's what it was. And, uh, he played well. He was like the he had like three pass breakups, had a bunch of big plays. It was kind of similar to this game against Washington, and actually a few of the games in the last few weeks. Yeah, he's just he's really good at balancing that aggressiveness. You want your corners to be aggressive, but not too aggressive. And I think he plays aggressively in coverage. But as you saw in that one pass breakup in the end zone, you know, hey, some people say, hey, maybe he might have gotten away with it. I think that was just great coverage, and he knew, and he knew exactly you know the limit he could go to without going over the line. And I appreciate the rest. For not for you know respecting that and, and not throwing that flag, uh, you know seeing that it was good coverage. So I've, it's been awesome to see Fenton play well, and yeah, I really think that could shore up the secondary all of a sudden if you can really trust Warden uh, Fenton on the outside and Lee Sneed as that interior you know, inside guy that can be closer to the box. Man, that that changes things. I really like that that trio of cornerbacks. Who would you say right now? Not not a healthy Shervarius Ward and Rashad. Who would you say the two best corners for this team? I, I, I've never been a huge uh, believer in, in Ward being a solidified starter. Like, you shouldn't even think about it. Like, he's your guy. Uh, so, I, to be honest with you, yeah, I, w- I would rather have Benton or, or Snead as my corners, honestly. If, and and I, don't, I doubt they make that change. I doubt, you know, I'm, I'm sure in base formations they will still have Snead and Ward as the outside cornerbacks. And then, obviously, uh, move Snead inside when they go to the nickel. But, hmm. yeah, I think the way Benton's playing right now, and, and I just think – 
I think Fenton is, is a lot better uh, when the at the point of attack when the ball's in the air uh, coming in the receiver's hands. I think Ward can have tight coverage, but it just never seems like he makes or finishes that pass breakup. And I think Fenton has shown that he's good at kind of getting in there and, and breaking up that pass at the last second. So, yeah, I would take Fenton right now. I, I'm 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 a believer in that. I, I, I just think he's been playing really well right now. Pete Sweeney, Jay Binkley, Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio, talking with the Arrowhead Pride lead film analyst, Ron Kopp. Ron, you did a little bit of a dive here for us on wide receiver Josh Gordon because it had seemed like Andy Reid was eager to get him in for more plays, and then he had about the same amount of percentage as he did in the initial look. Why do you think that was? What did you learn from diving into, I believe it was 12 plays, correct? Uh, 11 plays. 11 plays. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, no, I, 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 what I see from it is that they did try to get him involved. I, they, they did try to get routes to him. Uh, uh, his second uh, snap of the day was in the red zone on a slam. He was the isolated receiver, and, and they had everyone else on the other side of the ball, and, and it was a slam you know, designed for him. Mahomes looked and everything. But, you know, Gordon just really didn't create separation on a slant. You know, you could just cock it up to maybe good tight coverage. I also do think Mahomes could have maybe still tried the throw there, but yeah. he didn't. But basically, you know, they were still trying to get him the ball. They were kind of, you know, um, planning it out. There was another play where Gordon actually beat a corner deep, but Mahomes was sacked on the play. Just couldn't, you know, the pressure just kind of collapsed on him. But I think they're, they're trying. It, it's not a. It's not because they aren't trying. Um, I just think it just didn't work out this game. And and I think slowly and slowly they'll get more and more snaps. I've had this. I've had this idea too that. I think Gordon is, is really going to come in handy when they're playing a really good, uh, individually talented secondary. Yeah. And I think when they're not playing these talented secondaries, and, and Washington, Tennessee are, are far from talented in the secondary, uh, just to be honest, I think that other receivers can excel a little more than Gordon because they know the offense too, and, and they can win those kind of matchups with the lesser cornerbacks. I think we'll see Gordon really excel when, when we need him to be that individual talent that, that can really beat out a really good corner on a one-on-one matchup. Looking at this game this weekend, Ron, obviously big in the playoff picture in the AFC, who's kind of the king of the hill. Uh, Buffalo didn't wear that crown very well as they lose to Tennessee. But they're 24th in yards allowed. They were 28th last year, so Tennessee's defense still having fundamental problems. But King Henry has just been absolutely dominating. And except for that one playoff game, he's been pretty good, uh, really good against Kansas City Chiefs, averaging over seven yards uh, per carry. What would be the philosophy to you? with this Chiefs defense, playing a guy like King Henry? Yeah, I'd say keep uh, just stack that box and, and have defensive linemen plugging gaps and, and really helping the linebackers by not, you know, I think that is one thing with, with Chris Jones being a DN and not D-tackle. Jones has always had this tendency to shoot a gap and, and get upfield really quickly. And, and sometimes, mm. you know, obviously that can create big plays. But against the run, sometimes that that all of a sudden leaves a huge a huge hole wide open in the middle of the in the in the lane where, you know he he wasn't supposed to uh, leave that gap and kind of you know should have stayed there. Maybe. I think I think Reed and Audie have been doing really well at holding the the defensive line and, and holding that stout and not allowing you know huge gaps to open. The run game, the run defense has been better, although they have not faced a rushing attack like the Titans. Um, so I, I think I think they just need to you know the defensive line has a lot of responsibility. And I think Bolton and Gay just need to kind of be, you know, uh, what they've been playing, honestly. They've been really quick twitch, you know, getting into the backfield, in, in my opinion. I think Bolton's been really good at that. You know, Gay we haven't seen much of yet. But I think if those, if those if that front seven can just really, uh, you know, attack those, the line of scrimmage and really hold their own, be strong, and, and kind of just, you know, be a tough team and, and kind of just not allow them to get ahead of steam, 
I think that's all, that's all it is. But as soon as he gets ahead of the team, man, that's, he's so hard to tackle that I don't trust a lot of our secondary or off-ball defenders with Henry with ahead of team. I, I don't trust them to get him down very well. Well, if they do slow him down like they did that playoff game, how much faith do you have in Ryan Tannehill to carry that team? Uh, you know, he's not playing as well as he had in, in the past. And, and I do think the biggest reason is just the play calling. I, I think Arthur Smith was a really good play caller, and now he's the head coach in Atlanta. And the, head, and the play calling just hasn't been the same. They don't run as many as much play action. They it seems like uh, you know a lot of the times their their pass plays are kind of predictive or or not as uh, you know not as creative and they're not as creative in the red zone as they used to be. And even with these weapons they have and Julio Jones and AJ Brown, although both are banged up right now, it just doesn't seem like they're as explosive of an offense as they used to be. You know, the last few years, man, it was Derrick Henry could rip off twenty or thirty yards, but also Tannehill could could find someone real quick, Corey Davis or. Or you know, and, and finding you know fifty yards downfield as well. But Tannehill is just—it just doesn't seem like he's playing like that. But I really think it's on the play calling right now, and, and I, I think that's an advantage to the Chiefs that their play calling just isn't as creative. And I think it'll be easier to game plan for them this year. Yeah, Washington actually is allowing the most points per game. Part of the reason is because they just played the Kansas City Chiefs. The Tennessee Titans are in that bottom third. Is your expectation now that Patrick Mahomes and the offense had a better second half that you're going to look at continued success against this Tennessee Titans defense? Yeah, I, I would say so, for sure. I, I think I think the offense, and you guys have already kind of talked about it a little bit, it's just been so historically efficient this year. It's really just the turnovers, and I think Tennessee has not really been, you know, the one to create a bunch of turnovers this year. They did have a few against Josh Allen, uh, you know, on Monday night, but they're they're not the secondary like like we saw in Buffalo. Man, Buffalo's uh, secondary just attacks and, and doesn't, you know, takes advantage of every yep. single opportunity there is to, to create a turnover. Tennessee just isn't like that, and, and I know a lot of the Chiefs' turnovers are on their own. So if they get that figured out, man, it's, this team's going to be putting up, you know, thirty or forty points on this Tennessee defense. That's just how, how bad Tennessee's defense has been, and they're even more banged up after Monday night. They've had some injuries, so it should definitely there should definitely be some points put up on the board for the Chiefs on Sunday. <laughs> Great stuff. Lead analyst for RoheadPride.com, Ron Kopp, at Ron underscore Kopp, K-O-P-P. He does a lot of great articles and stuff out there, including a breakdown on Rashad Fenton. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. There you go, Ron Cop, right there. Coming up next, though, they did make two changes. Rumors on the offensive line. There was a hamstring issue yep. with Lucas Niang. One Thornhill. Whitney Mercer is not coming to Kansas City. So they kind of got what they got at this point. Is there any other thing the Chiefs could do to kind of solidify this complimentary football? Plus, Mike Rimmer said some interesting things today. We'll get into that next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. 610 Sports Radio. Nate Taylor in studio with CDOT. Fridays at 4, right here on 610 Sports Radio. And then Mike Remmers, I just was wondering, upon your look, how did how did he perform, do you feel, yesterday? Yeah, I thought he did a good job. He was solid in there, and uh, um, I thought he, he really held his own. That, that deep defensive line, I have a lot of respect for it. I mean, there, there, are, um, there are a lot of first-round picks on that defensive line, and they can rev it up and play pretty good. And, I've seen it when we were looking at tape. You could see it, and um, and then when we were out there, you could see their speed and athletic ability. So I thought our guys did a pretty good job with that. Mike, Mike was, uh, I thought for his first outing, I thought he did a real nice job. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, the editor in chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Pete mm-hmm. Sweeney. You asked Andy on Monday about Mike Rimmers. Interesting thing about this decision, Pete, was 
you know, Chase Young was going to be there. And Chase Young called Lucas Niang the best tackle he faced in college. Right. Injury situation, or is Mike Rimmers won the job now at right tackle? Yeah, you started to hear these rumblings about the injury situation, and I I, I know that, I, I mean, I believe that Niang had a hamstring issue, but he was practicing fully all week. Uh, players are going to have issues. If they're practicing fully, that means they could go. To me, it was, let's see, you know, what we have in Mike Rimmers and I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are putting Mike Remmers at the podium today if he's not going to keep that position. And so, Niang's yeah, not even on the injury report. Right. I I think moving forward, you know, this is this is Remmers' job to to lose now, uh, and I th- I think he did a nice job to to begin with. Now, keep in mind, this isn't set in stone. You saw last year, uh, Daniel Kilgore came in for a couple games before yep. uh, Austin Ryder got his position back, but Remmers now has his opportunity to keep his his gig. I, I think, you know, he gets a little bit of a bad rap considering the fact that he was beaten up at the left tackle position in the Super Bowl, and he definitely is a better right tackle. But prior to that, he was he was a pretty good player for the Chiefs on the right side, and I thought he did a nice job on Sunday. Let's see if he can keep the ball rolling here. Mike Rivers was asked today, does he feel significantly better on the right side than the left? Remember the Super Bowl, yeah. he had to bounce over to the left. This was his answer. Just for me, I have the most experience at right tackle. Um, so it just it just comes a little more natural for me. Natural for me. Um, I, I feel comfortable with the left side. Just it just takes a little bit more work, and I have to think a little bit more. Right tackle is just you tell me what to do. And I just I just do it. I can do it, and I feel feel a lot more confident. Yeah. He, so he likes the right side. It. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You could and, and it's where he feels comfortable. What is Mike Remmers going to get to the podium and say? Look, look, I suck. I left. You know, no. Of course he's not going to do that. And that's the answer that you get when he feels much more comfortable at the right tackle position. And, and it seems like, you know, by what he's saying, us, us people who can't play pro football, it's, it's muscle memory when he's kind of using his dominant hand, which is his right, and everything reverses, and then he has to kind of think about everything. It's like a switch hitter that only some people have. And, look, he, he obviously is way better there, so he's in, in a good position now. And Lucas Niang was able to get a, a, the few starts at the beginning of the season – I don't this, think this means anything when it comes to Lucas Nang in, in the, the future. I think he's a player that's now going to develop with Andy Heck a little bit behind the scenes. And if Remmers can keep the position, we'll see about how this thing shakes out next year. Um, but, but look, the Chiefs offensive line looked a, a bit better, I thought, on Sunday. And, and we'll see if they can continue. As far as the defensive line this week, Pete, against the Titans, they're going to get most of those faces back with Frank Clark, Chris Jones, probably going to be playback. But one of the guys doing a little bit of stuff has been Turk Wharton. You know, Missouri S&T's Turk Wharton got 54% of the snaps last Small week. Small school swag. Yeah, you had a question uh, for him today out at Arrowhead. He's the one that made that, I mean, fantastic interception. Unreal. David Tyree type interception on the back. It was it was, that was, it was the best. He's never going to make a better defensive play. No, here's your question to Turk. Is there a shift in, in, like, tackling strategy when it comes to a player like this, or is it just more rallying with the I mean, player? We, we always say kill the engine. Uh, he a big guy, so, you know, you got to. Take his legs out. That's how you kill the engine on him and all 11 hats to the ball. And talking about Derrick Henry, who was clocked at 21 miles an hour at his size on a breakaway run, which is incredible considering how big Derrick Henry is. These guys who, who make the other fellow NFL players look silly are, are, are just amazing to watch. Derrick Henry is one of them. So you're going to need multiple defenders. Ron talked a little bit about this. You know, they're going to be going low. They're going to be trying to take you know the engine off, as, as Turk just described. The Chiefs have a couple of those players. Like Patrick Mahomes quite obviously has those moments. I think Tyree Kill has a special trait. Same thing with a, a Travis Kelsey. So the Chiefs 
I actually have a few more of these guys. Derrick Henry really is the only player that fits that category for the Titans. And I, I just think, man, it, it's going to be so important for the Chiefs to get out to a lead because if you can, you got to prevent the Tennessee Titans from getting a lead or being in a game where it's a one-position thing where they feel like they can run the football. I know it's way easier said than done here, but if you can get up, let's say, 14, 17 points and you know the Titans need to score quickly in the second half, for example – that's how you're, you, you know, that's the easiest way to beat a team like this. Now, with the way the Chiefs have played against certain teams, again, way easier said than done. But I just think getting out to some kind of two-possession lead will be key in this game. I call Derrick Henry the meme maker because what happens is he stiff arms you, makes you look silly. And by the time the game's yeah, over, there's hope, already 2,000 tweets about I you hope, getting embarrassed yeah, by Derrick Henry. I hope that that doesn't happen to any Kansas City Chiefs this week. you know they're thinking about it. <laughs> That you just don't want to end up as one of the the stiff arm victims. I mean, well, we've had a couple of these. Like Josh Norman, I know, comes yeah. to mind. It's certainly one of them. Because you know yeah. the players are thinking, oh, mine. This is a meme now. Right. It's it's like those freak players in the NBA where, you know, they have these insane dunks and they dunk over you. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's showing up. I do not want to be posterized here. Yeah, Derek Henry, in my opinion, Pete's the best non-quarterback in the NFL because he's almost like got like a quarterback-like value and how important he is for that team. Devontae Adams? I'll still take Derrick Henry because he Devontae Adams doesn't make that team roll. Right. You know, I mean, it's still an Aaron Rodgers-driven team. Devontae Adams is a special player. But Derrick Henry, to me, makes that team valuable. I'm just saying best non-quarterback. Derrick Henry makes that team go. Patrick Mahomes makes the Chiefs go. Yeah, you're right. Derrick Henry is the Titans. I I can see where you're coming from with this. Yeah, I think you're you're correct when you put it that way. Uh, It is more of an Aaron Rodgers thing in Green Bay. It is more of a Patrick Mahomes thing in Kansas City. Whereas you could probably put a couple different quarterbacks in Tennessee. No offense to Ryan Tannehill. Again, as Ron kind of described, he's having a little bit of a down year to start. So we're the Chiefs. So we'll see you know, what they do here. But yeah, uh, I think Derrick Henry is one of the better running backs we've seen in this generation. And he's playing the best football he's ever played right now. So that is what it is. It's going to be tough to, I, I think, stop that. But it, it seems like a, a challenge the Chiefs are readying for. And, and I, I think Turk kind of pulled the curtain back on what the Chiefs are saying behind the scenes with this engine thing. I'm sure that that is something that Steve Spagnuolo was saying. we got to kill the engine, meaning you know get low, multiple hats to the ball. I think the fact that Julio Jones is going to be out of that game, I said that at the top, out of this game, I said this at the top. I don't think Julio Jones is going to be in it. That's going to make things a little bit easier with stacking the box and getting multiple bodies to Derrick Henry. Well, it's easier said than done, but force Tannehill to make plays, like the Chiefs did right. in the playoff game. They forced and Tannehill easy, to be the playmaker, and he couldn't do it. And that's easier to do when you know you don't have one of these weapons. Like Julio Jones is still very good. He just can't stay on the field, and I don't think he'll be playing on Sunday. I, I like the addition, but again, Julio Jones didn't play defense. This is what this team needed is defense because they're essentially in the same spot they were last year, and that's even that's like the, our our faithful Arrowhead Pride readers who when the Chiefs. Go and get somebody like Josh Gordon. You get the quick comments. Does he play linebacker? <laughs> Does he play defensive end? No, he doesn't, unfortunately. It, it happens. If you have a question for Pete, we'll do it in the final segment. Ask Pete, 913-576-7610, the J. Southland Toe Service text line. We'll get your questions for Pete Sweeney coming up next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. 
I did find it interesting today. Like how much that loss still stings with Andy Reid when they lost to the Titans yep. back in 2019 because they didn't lose after that. I mean, they, they were ignited from that loss. Again, I look at that Chargers game as the light bulb coming on. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, that happened against Washington this past week. And this is how much it troubled him, that loss. Yeah, you know, I didn't handle that right. You know, all said and done, I, that last call wasn't a very good one. It didn't work. And uh, call a screen, and you know we've been running the ball pretty good, so probably should have just stuck with the run. But um, that's hindsight. So, uh, but I do remember it very well. Uh, yeah, as far as things going on, I mean our guys, you know, they bared down. I mean we all had a piece of it. It was special teams had the block, and we defense gave up some yardage there right at the end, and we we all had a part of it. So. Um, and the guys, you know, we start playing better after that. I mean, which is kind of your your point. So, so he was taking that loss hard. He did have that field goal blocked at the end, and they ultimately lose. Ryan Tannehill actually had a good game in that one. Speaking of Ryan Tannehill, he actually did. That was something that uh, he did, and so did Derrick Henry. But I they, I noticed that too. It seemed like you know, despite he seemed upset about that still. Yeah, the, despite the the Chiefs managing to. Get a little bit of revenge in the same season in the AFC title. It did seem to bother Andy Reid the way that went down. And, and I don't know, a lot of these competitors will tell you they remember the losses much much more than the, the wins. And, and that one did strike a chord, it seemed, today. I don't know, Pete. I mean, I was asked this question by Carrington earlier this week. Uh, he was asked this question. We did some uh, TV over at 41 last weekend. And they asked him, I think it was Aaron Ladd, they asked him uh, – which Chiefs team did you see is, is more indicative of the Chiefs? That first half Chiefs team is the second half. Personally, I went second half because I, I do believe the Chiefs are much better than what they've shown, even though the offense was still good, number one in DVOA, mm-hmm. before they played Washington. That was the Chiefs team I expected, so I went with second half. What do you say? Well, the second half team looked like the team that we thought would be playing the entire season. And so – I'd like to think that that can continue. What has been more prevalent has been the first half version where they're finding ways to be down to teams that they're better than. And clearly they're better than the Washington football team. And they were down 13 to 10 to them at the half. And so I'm going to take the optimistic approach and say the the second half team, I've just seen Patrick Mahomes play much more like that than he did the first five games of the season, what has been still a short career here since becoming a starter in 2018. So tentatively, optimistically, I'll go second half Chiefs. All right, honesty time right now, Pete, because we've talked about this a lot through the years, especially 19. Like, like I understand a lot of people are upset with that 24-point deficit to Houston. They came back and won. Yeah. And then from then on, I said, you know what? This is who they are. I'm not going to worry about it. If they have a deficit, I think they'll come back. Your concern level at halftime, because I was here sitting here with Kramer, from the also does stuff over there, head pride. And I said, I'm not really worried about it. They play bad football, but they're Washington's not a good team. They're right. I don't care. They're down here at halftime. It was manageable for the chiefs to win. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that. And I just think now is you got to build, you got to build on this, right? I mean that they had a, a, a really bad situation happening and they were able to write the ship. And I just, I think now it's going to be important to beat an AFC contender which as of Monday night, the Titans are. And so now you get that opportunity right here to really feel good about yourselves. You can get past the Titans. You got an easy game against the Giants, and then it's the Green Bay Packers. Don't overlook anybody 
So I got to come to work on that Monday night. But the G-men, you have a real scenario here where you can rip another three in a row off. All right, time for Pete's questions. 913-576-7610. J Southland Tow Service text line. Wind down every AP radio show, which we have every Wednesday. Then it's podcasted not only over at 610, but over at arrowheadpride.com as well. I do believe, Pete, that'll come out uh, later tonight. All right, Pete, from the 913, will the Chiefs make a move at the trade deadline for a pass rusher or corner? I'll throw this in there. Or they do neither because they don't want to give up a draft pick. Right. I I think, you know, you got to look for reasonable contracts when you're doing this. So it's got to be a good scenario. It's got to be for the right price. And I think it's more likely that the Chiefs would go for a defensive lineman than a, a cornerback. I think they like what they've seen in Rashad Fenton. I think they've liked what they've seen in, in Mike Hughes, certainly LeJarius Sneed. I think DeAndre Baker is coming along. I think he's still getting his feet un, under him from the injury thing. We had talked to the Chiefs defensive backs coaches. And so I think they really feel like in the secondary they have the answers in-house. To me, it would be more likely – for there to be smoke to for there to be fire to the smoke in in the idea that they could bring on a defensive lineman maybe um, a guy like uh, your boy Emmanuel Agba could make a return oh he didn't like you either no. you and I both interviewed him one time he gave me great great long answers. answers you very short well you got you are both bigger guys I'm a little shorter saying? I'm a little skinnier you know and we we couldn't really meet in the middle as far as like relating to each other yeah, you so. and I it was a tandem interview we did the honey badger same one right. Firing questions at the honey badger. We know, hey, we know the Chiefs like to trade with Minnesota. That's how they got Hughes. Uh, Steven Weatherly is a guy who has seen his snaps get cut down. There's a couple names out there where, where it makes sense, but it, it's hard for us to really just name these random players because we, we don't know who the Chiefs are necessarily talking to. And again, it's got to make what sense. What are they real. willing to give up? Yeah, That's both the, parties. Is that a, Can you get that player for a sixth rounder? Could you get Emmanuel Agba for And for a pro-rated rounder? contract because the other team doesn't pick up the bill when they're still in the Right, team. and you're also, in a, and that's something to remember now too, the Chiefs are up against it, and so there's going to have to be some creativity if it's some of these teams 8. want these draft picks. So, yeah, they have a draft pick to send. How much of the contract are they willing to take on so the Chiefs can fit this under their cap? Do the Chiefs can is there, are there moves that they can make for the Chiefs to open up their cap because they're you know around two million? You know that's not an, enough. And the Whitney Merciless thing was like made too much sense because not only was Texans picking up the tab. Yeah, veteran the Chiefs weren't veteran million dollars. They could have afforded. It. They wouldn't have to give up a draft pick. So that. That almost and made Merc- too much sense. Merciless very clearly, too, was like, I want to go somewhere where I can win a Super Bowl, right? And so you think about the top teams, the Packers falling under that, the Buccaneers, uh, the Chiefs are right there, maybe Buffalo. But if you get to pick and choose, you're probably down to those four teams. So that's the tough part. It's, you know, Kansas City reportedly interested Ends up going to the Green Bay Packers. And the Chiefs play the Packers at home, so you'll see Whitney. Little Merciless. little Chiefs revenge game for not picking them. There you yeah. go. How about that? Even Story though I laid line. out the reasons why he probably picked Green Bay. Yeah, it actually we, makes sense. Don't listen. Don't rain on my Arrowhead Pride storylines, Jay. We oh, got, and get your pumpkin pictures to Pete on Arrowhead Pride. Your Chiefs pumpkins. Jay, before the show, said, I want to see some more Chiefs pumpkins. Yeah, lots of them. So I went to the Arrowhead Pride Twitter, and, and I've asked for your pumpkins. And it looks you like already we, have a Mahomes one. We've gotten two in. Oh, it, really? It seems like. Yeah, two Chiefs pumpkins. One of the listeners, and I guess uh, people who follow us on Twitter, posted a picture of a Chiefs pumpkin and said it was a, a gift from his son for his birthday. So oh. happy birthday to uh, to that guy. Will you be making an AP pumpkin? I will not. Um, I'll, I will not. Maybe I'll do some baking. Get Cody Tap on the phone, bake a few pumpkin oh, yeah, pies. He will. he will. Big thanks to Ron Kopp, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com for joining us. Thanks, as always, to Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief. ArrowheadPride.com will podcast this at 610 and Arrowhead Pride as well. 
And a huge thanks to Kristen Ocero producing the operation. You know what's next, Pete? What's that? Big good night. Oh, See you in a minute. <laughs>